what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. Travelers, and welcome once again to the Before and After Show. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I'm your other co-host, Corey Tyndall. And we're joined by a very special guest this week. Yes. Uh, you guys know him from Eyewitness News, uh, Mr. Aaron Perlman. Yes, what's going on, guys? Welcome, welcome. Uh, yes. Your forecast looks sunny for today. That's good. Actually, <laughs> we're in the 70s. It's crazy. So remember this date. Yeah. End of May in the 70s. <laughs> it's very rare that that happens in our town. Um, thanks for having me. I'm, yeah. I'm honored to be a part of the before and after show. Yeah. it's uh, yeah. It's been kind of a couple months <laughs> in waiting since we met at mm-hmm. the Batman v Superman yep. Thursday night premiere, and I was like, come on for X-Men. Which I didn't ask you guys, by the way, what was your quick thoughts on Batman Superman? I didn't like it. Um, too much going on. Too, a little bit... Too convoluted for me. I wish they had stripped some stuff out. They had some really good ideas. I just felt like they didn't play all the way out as best they could have. I thought it was fine. Um, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it the way some people do, too. Yeah. I liked it, but I wasn't wild about it either. Mm-hmm. What did you I, think? I it was decent. It, yeah. it was decent, but yeah, I, I didn't like it. Only because they make these great... DC makes great cartoon movies yeah why could you not copy the cartoon movie into film yeah and it no because half majority of the people have not seen that yeah, cartoon. yeah. so yeah. please make that movie yeah yeah it's it could have been batman and superman war yeah yeah um would have been fun yeah or even dark knight returns yeah, yeah absolutely Just dark knight returns. a direct adaptation of that yeah <laughs> which there's well there's the cartoon version of that yeah. too and it's great yeah, like, it's, it's really, really good, good. yeah, yeah. Um, I think part of that, too, is, I mean, Kevin Conroy as the yeah. man. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. You can't get it wrong, Kevin Conroy and then um, Mark Hamill. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But we get, you know, we get Suicide Squad coming up. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we are. We're here for X-Men. Yeah, it's true. We're here to talk about X-Men. But before we do that, um, we, uh, well, Aaron, uh, for, I can't imagine anyone listening doesn't know you, but for anyone who doesn't, uh, what is your relationship to, like, cinema you know we know you as this weather guy sure um, but i see you at the movies kind of a lot <laughs> uh, yeah no i love i love movies uh movies it's kind of been that one escape for me uh for me it was like growing up watching television my i have a twin brother and we would we would memorize a tv guide to start oh. there. uh but film really became a, a, an important part of my life when i saw star wars for the first time mm-hmm. and i realized this was an amazing movie so every time it would come to the theaters we would go see it, and then Return of the Jedi came out, so it dates me a little bit. <laughs> but um, I, we took our piggy bank, and like SNL does, he took it and threw it on the ground. <laughs> um, and we, we shattered that piggy bank and took all the money in there. We're like, we're going to Return of the Jedi. Of course, we had like two bucks, so our parents paid the rest. But yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah so Return of the Jedi was the first real movie I paid for. Mm. And then after that, it's just anything... Love film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're sitting here in a Star Wars shirt. Yeah. Right yeah. Now. I'm in a Star Wars shirt, but, you know, superheroes. Um, yeah. I, I guess I, and I love superheroes watching cartoons. Cartoons mm-hmm. kind of 
it was my gateway into the comic world. Mm-hmm. And I started buying comics and getting to understand more. Right, mm-hmm. right. So you, you're a comic collector then, or? Uh, to a point. I, I, I'll collect certain ones that I like. Like, yeah. I'm into Captain America and Spider-Man. Yeah, oh, yeah Spider-Man. He's a big Spider-Man guy. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man's great. Yeah. yeah. I want to go back to Peter Parker, though. I'm yeah. Sorry. I'm tired of Miles. Miles. Sorry, Miles. Miles is cool, but yeah. He's fine. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bigger Peter fan, yeah. so... Yeah, nice. Um, so uh, we kicked the show off by talking about what we've been watching this week. Um, have you been watching anything well, this week or the last couple of weeks? Are you talking uh, film or film, TV? TV any, anything? Just anything you've yeah. that's really like caught your eye and you've been like, I'm into this. Right. Oh man, gosh. For for film, uh, you know, I've been wanting to see. I haven't seen it yet, and I've been wanting to see Jungle Book. So oh, that's great. I'm behind on that. Otherwise, I'm waiting for X Men. Uh, Television wise, I mean, I'm. I'm giddy over the TV show Grimm. I don't know if anybody's watching that, but that's a oh. show to get onto Grimm. Really? Okay. Yeah. Like Bloodbath season and the season finale. <laughs> I don't want to go on any further than that, but uh, that was great. And of course, uh, Flash era. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I haven't started Flash yet, and I've oh. heard it's great. I, you know, actually, if you want to talk about like superhero genre, television, mm-hmm. uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., probably the best season of all the shows this season when mm-hmm. it comes to superhero quality. Uh, except the finale kind of was a little bit weak, mm. where the Flash I think is going to end strong. So yeah. Flash yeah. would have been number two, but I think it might end out with number yeah. one. Mm. I haven't seen any of the Flash yet, but I have mad respect for any show that does Killer Shark and Gorilla Grodd. Right? I can't believe they yeah. got away with that on television. It's so great, and my wife still stays and watches. <laughs> wow. So if Killer Shark can be on there and Gorilla Grodd, and my wife can't wait to watch the next episode, yeah, we're doing something right. Yeah, I remember I was uh, I had a roommate, and he was he was super into it, and. And uh, he was watching it, and I caught a glimpse of Gorilla Grodd, and I was like, there's no way. That was just like a nod to that character. And then two episodes later, they pay him off, and he gets his full, complete arc. And I was like, I can't believe this show got away with Gorilla Grodd on television. Uh, Spoiler alert, he he might be the big bad for season three. Oh, So get ready. Wow. Okay, wow. That's insane to me. Inside Hollywood Scoop. (laughs) There we go. Corey, what about you? Well, I watched a, uh, a little-known movie called Creed this weekend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. What'd you think? It was great. It was fantastic. Um, MJ has, as you guys have listened, has been a lover of this movie. I and talk about it basically every yes. episode since it came out. It was my favorite movie of 2015. Really? Yeah. Creed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Um, I mean, I would say, like, I was surprised, but MJ had, like, hyped it up and talked it up so much that I was expecting it to be really good. Now, so. my question <laughs> for that is, did I overhype it for you, and did it affect your enjoyment, or is it just so good that it overcame that? Um, I don't feel like, I, I didn't really get, like, overhyped from you, but I was okay. just like, oh, this is going to be a really good film. Because, I mean, it's like you said when you've talked about it, you kind of say, like, oh, it's a Rocky movie, that with different people that sits differently because it's like they're a varying quality and so you telling me that hey this is a really good you know kind of it's kind of rocky but it's kind of like its own thing and it's it, a great rocky yeah, movie yeah. It's, it's like a sequel to rocky balboa it yeah literally, literally it's a great sequel it's better than rocky five yeah, yeah. oh yeah 
100 I mean, percent. Not hard to do. <laughs> not hard to make a movie better than Rocky. It's, it's a good follow up to um, Rocky Two. Yeah, it yeah. is. On it its is. Own. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the way they kind of address that too when he's shadow boxing yeah. his dad in the fight from Rocky Two. Oh, it's II. great. That's sweet. Yeah, and he's Rocky, and he's Rocky. Yeah, oh man, it's such a good character beat where it's like, oh, he's fighting against this legacy and yeah. against like what his father stood for because he doesn't necessarily want to be associated with the Creed name, mm-hmm. and like that's his whole arc is like really accepting his place as a creed. creed yeah but then how he like full circle and like how he comes to terms with that i just thought was really well done yeah i loved is. i love the whole theme of legacy in that film and like you said everybody has something they're fighting for in that movie and i just i thought sylvester stallone was super good in this movie yeah so, right he was good yeah you know one thing underlying that not a lot of people talk about in that film is his girlfriend, um, yeah, Michael yeah. Jordan's girlfriend, yeah, in the film, um, because they have this character who's going to go deaf. Yes, right? yeah. So you know, down the line in these films, it's going to get worse in that relationship to a point, but yeah, it will it will be the the key defining moment to keep them together. Yeah, um, that struggle of love. I, I I like that part a lot. Yeah, yeah. I it's just a great movie, and it gives her something that she's fighting for. You know, yeah. she's re- she's fighting time. And that's, like, the ultimate yeah. thing. Like, there you can't, basically, you know? She's really the ultimate, like... I don't want to say loser in the situation, because she's <laughs> making the best of it and doing what she can now, but she's got the hardest fight almost ahead of her. Yeah. Her and Rocky over, you know, uh, Adonis Creed, who's just, like, fighting against his legacy and eventually accepts it. Yeah. Like, her eventual story ends tragically. Yeah. Can we say that about the Rocky movies, though? We like tragedy, apparently, because yeah. if you look at Rocky in general, most of them are tragedy films. If yeah. You think about it. yeah. And the only film that was the real big blockbuster besides Rocky was really Rocky Four, mm-hmm. which was the victory film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of. Well, but Apollo Cr- Creed Apollo does. Creed does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess I'll go. Uh, I don't think I really got a chance to watch anything this week. I went to. That's what I did. I went to. Um, do you guys know what Rift Tracks is? Oh, Rift Tracks, yeah. Been to a couple mm. of shows. Oh, okay. I yep. went to... Mystery Science Theater 3000 was what it originally was. Yeah. Oh. Yep. So do you remember... Do you know Mystery Science Theater 3000? Yeah. Okay. So it's the same guys, uh, Mike and Bill and Kevin from that. They uh, basically took the same conceit of Mystery Science Theater 3000, let's watch a movie and make fun of it while it's going on, yeah. turned it into Rift Tracks, and Rift Tracks actually does contemporary movies. Oh, okay. So they sell the audio commentaries on their um, on their website, and you can download them and sync them up with a movie and watch mm-hmm. them at home. But a few times a year, they do live shows, and they stream those live shows out to theaters. And I went to the most recent one, which is for a movie called Time Chasers. Time Chasers? Yeah, which is this like super low-budge movie from 1994. <laughs> And uh, they did it, apparently they did it as a Mystery Science Theater episode, and then they actually kickstarted money to buy the rights to show it. Oh. And... I watched Time Chasers. I know exactly, but I watched it without Rift Tracks. Okay. So go ahead, yeah. Um, And they actually got the cast to be there um, for the live riff, (laughs) so that was cool. But yeah, so it it was the live stream of that. And I mean, it's hilarious. These guys have been doing it for so so long. They know exactly like the right moments to hit the jokes, and mm-hmm. their jokes are so offbeat and weird. Uh, but yeah, the movie is insane. It's about this guy who invents a time traveling plane and sells it to a corporation, and the corporation uses it to basically screw up the future. And so he has to go back and. 
fix it, mm-hmm. basically. And they end up going back to the Revolutionary War. It's an yeah. insane movie. <laughs> it's really it's really odd. It's gr- it's actually fun if you like time travel stuff. Yeah, um, there's the time travel stuff is actually kind of well done in terms of, of like the copies of the people mm-hmm. running around, but everything else around it is terrible. <laughs> it's incredibly poorly acted. Um there's a scene where they go to the CEO of the corporation's office and it's just like a loft in a library. Like just <laughs> you can tell it was in some sort of municipal oh, yeah. building. It's yeah. low budget. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that that's all I really got to see. Uh, I mean, if you guys get a chance to go see one of the Rift Tracks live shows, they're a really good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I went to one back in December that was this insane movie from the 70s called Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. Oh, nice. Oh. It, I, can't, I don't even know where... I don't know why I brought that up because I cannot describe that movie to you and I sat through it. But Rift Tracks, man, yeah. kept you alive in that film. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I grew up on Mystery Science Theater 3000. That was... I would say, looking back at my life, more than almost anything else that has shaped my sense of humor, it was that show. Um, I think it, it. I think you could even maybe trace back my love of movies <laughs> to that show. I just there was something so charming about it when I was that age, and and yeah, I loved it. Yeah, so we uh, we'll move on and talk about some news. Yeah, uh, we talked about it a little bit off mic, but we got a new trailer for Beauty and the Beast, or the first trailer for this yes. Beauty and the Beast remake. Um, Corey, you and I have talked uh, mm-hmm. about the first two in the series of yes. kind of Disney remakes that's going on, Cinderella and Jungle Book, and mm-hmm. we like them quite yeah, a bit. they're really good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Aaron, you, I know you mentioned you I, haven't seen it yet. But... I saw Cinderella. I haven't seen... Jungle Book. Jungle Book, yeah. I mean, heard great things. I'm, I'm yeah. sure it's going to be great. My only downside with this, well, like Jungle Book, for instance... And see, I'm dating myself with you guys. No, um, like so they read they did they redid Jungle Book in the '90s, yeah. early '90s. Yeah. You guys remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I like that movie, although that was like real animals. This is going to be all CGI for yes. the most part. Yeah, yep. Uh, which is probably fine though. Um, but that's my downside with the trailer that I saw today for Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. It looked too fake, like mm-hmm. the house and the. It was all CGI. It was all CGI, mm-hmm. and I thought the idea is not to make it look like a cartoon. It's supposed to be like real life. That's only my. Then mm-hmm. again, it's a trailer. All this stuff is not edited yet. Yeah, and I get yeah. that. Yeah. But um, the girl Emma Emma Watson. Yes. Yeah. She looked. She looked great as Belle. Yeah. 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 And the voices to hear the voices of. Uh, Lumiere and Cogsworth. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that's my big thing with this movie is the the cast is so good. Right. I mean, um, you've got Emma Watson as. Um, Bell, mm-hmm. uh, Ian McKellen as Cogsworth, Emma Thompson, my favorite actress as uh, Mrs. Potts. Yeah, uh, Ewan McGregor. I am yeah. so excited for him to yeah. be there. That's right? just in my brain. <laughs> that's so perfect. Perfect. And, All those guys. Are yeah, perfect. and you've got Bill Condon behind the camera who um, directed. Uh, I almost said Mean Girls. He didn't direct Mean <laughs> Girls. He directed Dream Girls. There you go. Which uh, which is this Musical. movie like Slightly yeah different. and very like flashy and and you know it's got this sort of. Uh, musical vibe to it. like it feels like a musical and it feels like a play and i yeah. think it's a really like great choice to fit this style of movie mm-hmm. um i think disney's doing really good work with these remakes and yeah. so I'm, I'm excited for it what do you think Corey? yeah i was excited like you know i i watched it and even just from hearing the music the remastered oh, yeah. like the mm-hmm. reorchestrated music i was like this is gonna be good so i i've been excited like when we did the Jungle Book episode, Aaron, I hadn't seen Cinderella, so I was kind of like, I don't, I don't know about these. And so I went back and watched that when we did that for the show, and I was like, 
that was really good. It like, was, as, right? As a remake, yeah. I was like, this is really good. And then Jungle Book, you know, when you get to see it, I kind of had some of the same, like, oh, CGI, and some people were like, it's going to be great. It was fantastic. I so, feel like after with Cinderella, I still, it, it sticks with me, because I want to keep saying, yeah. be kind and good-hearted, or oh, whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 so much in that movie. <laughs> that was such a well-made movie. Yeah, and, like, Kenneth Branagh behind the camera on that was the perfect match for Cinderella, mm-hmm. and I think, I think, um... Bill Condon is going to be the perfect match for sort of the the glitzy stuff in Beauty and the Beast. I mean, the iconic ballroom scene. Yeah. I'm so excited to see how he films so what, that sequence. What is the Disney movie you want to see made real? Um, there's a couple. I think we've talked about Aladdin. I would love to see I a, think that might be the epic one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah awesome. it would be hard to cast that genie, man. Yeah. Like, Robin Williams is like so iconic in that in the... role. <laughs> It's a tough one. Yeah, I don't know who they would get to. I don't know. Jonah Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like a Sasha Baron Cohen. Maybe. Maybe. I, no, I don't. I think he's past his time now because anybody looks like in this Alice in Wonderland movie coming out it oh, just, just that's looks like true. it's miserable. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I could be wrong. Yeah, he's really good in Hugo, but yeah, I under yeah, yeah. I forgot he was in that Alice in Wonderland. I he's the main villain. Yeah, I really? forget yeah. these Alice in Wonderland yeah. movies exist. I don't know how they're doing that well to. Well, this is what started the whole thing in the first place. Yeah, which Alice is in weird Wonderland because I, I don't associate them because I feel like the first the Alice in Wonderland remake from like when 2013 or whenever mm-hmm. it came mm-hmm. out, I feel like it's like completely different quality than Cinderella and Jungle Book. So yeah. I'm just oh, yeah. like, are they considered in the same like camp? It is because that's what gave them the idea to do Maleficent and uh, now they're making Dumbo. Yeah, Dumbo is uh, Tim Burton who also did um, oh, yeah. Alice in Wonderland. So yep. now they have an idea to do Dumbo, which might be interesting to see Dumbo. Yeah, it's kind of one of those more interesting choices where I'm like, okay, well, I mean, maybe it's time for a, you know, like a remake of this. It came out in like when, 1940s? 40s, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know off the top of my head. Casey Jr. needs to come back, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think... I think, just to get an answer that's not Aladdin out there, because I think we all immediately were like Aladdin, Aladdin. I think Sword in the Stone would be a super cool live action. That would be great. And they they are doing it, and one of the guys who writes Game of Thrones is writing the movie. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's the showrunner for Game of Thrones, actually. Wow. Like the, the head guy on Game of Thrones is writing it. So that guy knows his fantasy. Yeah. Um, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I mean, it's... Got huge ratings for yeah. a reason. I feel like, yeah. and uh, wow, that, that's great. Yeah, so I think they're, I think they're, I think they're just picking the right people for everything they're doing right now. Like yeah. they're on some sort of crazy hot streak. It doesn't seem just like a cash grab, like MJ and I talked about. It seems like they're really like choosing carefully. It's like, hey, we're gonna remake this and we're gonna do it with this amount of respect, mm-hmm. and you know, we want good talent involved. It's not just like, hey, let's just turn out this movie because we have this huge back catalog and we can remake it for like people who've never seen them. You know, it doesn't feel like that. Well, I'm all in. Yeah, yeah I'm down. As long as it's not Peter Pan, I think there's too many of them. There's they're doing. They're, they, announced, <laughs> they announced that Cinema they're they're Peter doing, Pan. Yeah, they're gonna give us a definitive uh, the live definitive, action. Yeah, Peter the, the definitive is the, the 1940s. We're done. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> Seen it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not too excited about that one. And then there are the harder ones to do. Like I don't think you could ever do Lion King as one of those. Well, I think it's Lion King's. Yes, yeah, too. Yeah, maybe I well, can't maybe say it's too recent. After, maybe after Jungle Book, MJ. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Well, maybe I don't know. Well, do you have to? Yeah, it's too many animals. We're in. Uh, 
when you think about Jungle Book, there's yeah. the human character that guides it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Aladdin, you got that. Beauty and the Beast, you have all that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I'm not saying they couldn't do it at this point. I mean, I, Disney. They can. Because they redo Robin Hood, it's going to be not with the foxes. foxes. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. Fox and the Hound still gives you an adult, so you can still do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Uh, we're going to take a short break and uh, transition into the before and after show film school. And I hope you guys watch The General this week because that's what we will be mm-hmm. discussing. And then after the before and after show film school, myself and Corey and Aaron will be back to discuss our expectations for X Men. Apocalypse? Age yeah. of Apocalypse? Apocalypse. Just Apocalypse. Okay. <laughs> I guess you can tell how excited I am for this movie based on how I know the name so well. Yes. Uh, we'll be back. And welcome to the Before and After Show Film School. Mm-hmm. This is a segment where we take turns being student and teacher. We're all students in life. Yes. And <laughs> we can always improve how we watch films. Yes. And what we know about films. And so this is a segment where not only do we learn something, but we also take the, the knowledge we are learning and we impart it into you guys. Um and that comes in the form of us doing research and talking about either a specific moment in film history mm-hmm. or a specific type of film structure. Yeah. So, for example, we've done <clears throat> a, 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 now we've done two silent comedies and we've talked about the three act structure. Yes. And and plotting in mm-hmm. in film. So. This is a follow up to the silent comedies. This is the the second. If you haven't listened to um, the first, you can find them on YouTube, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, you can find these segments on YouTube so you don't have to go scrub through the old episodes. Yeah. I really like this segment. I think it's really fun. Yeah, it's fun. And you guys have a chance to watch the film with us. We tell you your streaming options for yep. the film. Um, we do this segment every two weeks so that you have a good long amount of time to watch the film. Yeah. And yeah, I really like it. So, yeah, it's fun. Uh, we'll jump into it now. Um, this week we're talking about The General. Starring mm-hmm. Buster Keaton. Yes. In the last film history episode, we talked about The Gold Rush starring Charlie Chaplin. Yes. And the reason we're talking about Buster Keaton is because he's the second most well-known um, silent film comedian. Yeah. And so I figured <clears throat> it was important to get a couple of um, different types of comedy yeah. into, into this discussion. Uh, because you hear him pretty frequently. You hear his name pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. Not quite as much as Charlie Chaplin, but still enough to warrant, uh, I think, a discussion about him. Yeah. And so last week we talked about uh, who Buster Keaton was and uh, what his contribution to cinema was. And then we talked about a specific movie of his called The General. Mm-hmm. And that was the movie we were mm-hmm. supposed to watch for homework. And so Corey and I have both watched the movie. Yes. I'd seen the movie before. Corey, you had not. Yep, so this is the first time watching. Yeah, so the basic synopsis is Buster Keaton <laughs> plays a guy named Johnny Gray who tries to enlist in the uh, Confederate, Confederate, yeah, the yeah. Confederate Army. 
and they will not take him because he is too valuable to them as a train conductor. Yes. And he loses the love of his life over it, over <laughs> a misunderstanding. Yeah. And he eventually becomes a hero of the war, and everything <laughs> is good. And that's the basic, like, yeah. base level, no spoilers yeah. plot to it. Um, there's some twists and turns, like, there's some spying and yeah. stuff like that through it. But, yeah, what did you think about the general, Corey? It was fun. Um, I really liked it. Yeah. It... It is a comedy in the sense that there is a lot of, like, kind of, uh... There's not a ton of bodily humor, but there are some moments. I felt like I was watching it, and I was... It was very different from Charlie Chaplin. Like, I feel like Charlie Chaplin, it was a lot of physical humor, like, all the time. <laughs> like what just happened with me? Yes. I just spilled water all down the front of my shirt. Anything for a good example. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, where Charlie Chaplin, I felt, at least in the gold rush, I felt like there was physical humor, like, almost like in every scene or every other scene. I feel like in Buster Keaton, in the general, it wasn't that, it wasn't, like, nearly as much. I mean, he still did it some, but he's a very different, like, actor than Charlie Chaplin. Yes. I did notice, though, that he does a lot of, uh kind of dangerous stunts <laughs> and it was pretty yeah. sweet it was pretty sweet to see them i mean most of the movie uh spoilers i guess kind of takes place on the general is like a train so there's a couple train chases ish mm -hmm. throughout the movie there's like three yeah and a lot of the um his stunts take place on that train or in conjunction with a moving train of some sort and yeah. some of the stuff he did is like that could kill you if that went wrong. Yep, and it's very obvious that he did that. Yeah, like no he gets up, he gets, yeah, he gets on top of a moving train at one point. I think the prop he sits on the like kind of the wheel. I don't. I don't oh even know yeah, yeah, yeah. What like, part like of the crossbar between the wheels? Yeah, he does that. I think the probably the one I was like, ah, oh, that's pretty dangerous. Is like he gets onto like the front grill of the train. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if it's called that, but I'm gonna call it that. Yeah. But like. The part that, like, sits on the railroad track, and I was like, uh, that could be bad very quickly. Well, and also, <laughs> during that stunt, he is knocking off pieces of wood <laughs> that the Northern Army have put in his way to slow him oh, down. Oh, yeah. So if, the if he missed and the train hit that piece of wood, yeah. he would have fallen wow. off and gotten run over by that train. Yes. <laughs> so he's very much the daredevil. There's very much, like, things, like, last time we kind of talked about it and you had mentioned... He is an inspiration for people like Jackie Chan. There was definitely a couple scenes where I was just like, Jackie Chan, like, stole that from him. Mm. Like, I think when he's chasing, I think it's the first initial train, he runs and, like, jumps on the bike. Like, oh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. In mo and they're like, oh, I've seen Jackie Chan do that exact same type of thing. Just yeah, he, like... he jumps on, like, a penny farther. Which, yeah. <laughs> was that penny farther made entirely of wood? Because it looked like it to me. yeah. It didn't look structurally sound to begin with. No, it looked like it was made, of, like, down to the wheels yeah. were made of wood. I definitely, I noticed the other thing that you'd mentioned that Buster King didn't like to use as many title cards. Oh, yeah. There was, there was a couple stretches of the film where you didn't see one for, like, quite a while. Yeah. And I think that helped a lot to kind of just either keep you in the story or a lot of this, a lot of this movie, I don't want to say it's, like, an action movie, but there is a fair amount of, like action-y type stuff that happens on the train stuff and so the the i don't know the infrequent use of title cards is nice to kind of keep the momentum yeah and going. he tells a pretty effective story visually yeah um you know that doesn't need a lot of title cards he, yeah he gets a lot across yeah in just in camera stuff yeah i was just really 
I was really wowed by that, and you know, like recently, I know like you saw you've seen a couple silent films, mm-hmm. and you've done some podcasting, extra podcasts on that, and so I'd listened to those even before I watched this movie. So there was a lot of I was very thinking in the silent film realm mm-hmm. of things, and like how much can be conveyed without words, and it's like. Wow, you never think of that. I mean, like, most of the films we watch nowadays have words. Yeah. And so it's just kind of cool to be like, wow, he got so much across just by, like, the look on his face or, like, you know, how he gestured or just any yeah. number of things. And the look on his face rarely changes, yeah. too. Like, that's yeah. the other thing is he was working at even more of a disadvantage because he wanted to peg himself as a stoic. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he completely lost <laughs> most of his emotional reactions. Yeah. And that's what everyone relies on. Like, if you listen to the episode where where my wife and I went to the Egyptian theater and saw a couple silent movies, we were talking about Mary Pickford and how the reason she was able to get so much across was because of how expressive her face was. And even Charlie Chaplin, like, he's so over the top and big with his expressions and his emoting. And Keaton is so dialed Yeah, back. it's like, like barely anything. <laughs> yeah. If if <laughs> anything, it's either sadness or anger. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about it. Like, you never see him happy. Nope. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's very strange that that was able to work as yeah. a silent movie. And it works really effectively. Yeah. Um, a couple notes that I had were um, much like... Jackie Chan, if you have watched the Every Frame of Painting video about Jackie Chan, mm-hmm. one of the things that Jackie Chan does is he always makes sure <clears throat> he starts at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. He, he makes sure he's an underdog, and that lends itself to the action comedy that he does. And I would say, you know, you said you didn't want to call this an action movie. I would call it an action comedy movie. Yeah. And Buster Keaton does that too. There are steps he takes that make sure that a scene is set up to where he's going against the grain like he's yeah he has to overcome some sort of odds and that lends itself to the jokes in the sequence yeah and i was like oh that's something jackie chan stole yeah. from him also the way he is able to escalate a sequence yeah is really really good um he does his, you know charlie chaplin does more of these vignette style things i've seen a few charlie chaplin movies at this point and he did not unconnected stuff, but borderline isolated yeah. uh, sequences, like, you know, and, and the gold rush. There was kind of a, 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 a through plot, but yeah. there was nothing really, like, with any sort of consequences or stakes. It was yeah, just it'd be a like, lot of... we have this scene in the house, mm-hmm. and now we go to, like, the town, and it's not really, like, related. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And whereas the general has, like, a very strong narrative, yeah. and... He's able to escalate in these big, long set pieces. Like, yeah. some of these set pieces are 20, 30 minutes long, it seems yeah. like. And the the sequence I'm talking about in particular is um, the scene where he attaches a cannon to the back of his oh, yeah. train car. Huh. And, like, the way that sequence escalates where he puts the cannonball into the cannon, shoots it, and it lands just in the, like, in the, yeah. the front car. And so he goes back, he climbs back across the train, and... He puts the whole canister of gunpowder in there, yep. and he lights it, and then the cannon tilts to tilts where it's... down, yeah. and he's stuck on the other car trying to, yeah. Yeah, and so he just, like, he escalates that sequence very nicely. Yeah. He is able to put real, like, th- there that's comedic tension in yeah. there, but he's able to put, like, some real tension into the comedic sequences, mm-hmm. which, when he's under the table, yeah. specifically, like, that's a funny scene, but also there's real tension, because you're kind of worried about him getting caught. Yeah. You know, there's a scene where he's under this table in, uh... 
basically the safe house for these northern soldiers and he's getting kicked in the face he yeah. has to sneeze at one mm-hmm. point um he gets burned by a cigar that's yeah. through the thing and they lift the tablecloth up to put it out yeah and it you can see him clearly under there and uh, you know there's like actual tension like you're worried he's going yeah. to get caught in that moment and i think this is something i've been thinking about um I watched a Hitchcock film right uh, this morning before hmm. we recorded this. So this has been on my mind. Like one of the things Hitchcock was able to do was balance out tension with laughs. Yeah. Because it's these sort of um, steam valves for the tension. You know, if things get too tense, you put in a laugh. Yeah. And it lets some of the tension out, but then you go right back into it. Like, yeah. It's sort of this like just valve that opens, lets a little bit of the yeah. pressure out and then closes again because he's able to weave this other tension throughout it. So there's this tension in the scene and then you like, you see him sneeze and the way he reacts to it is really funny. And then it goes right back into the like, Oh, is he going to get caught? Yeah. (laughs) So I really like that. You weren't co-hosting the show at this point, but there's a lot of stuff from Mad Max in this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Just, um, the way he shoots some of the action sequences, um, some of the train chases specifically, he shoots them, you know, uh, going just left and right, almost, you know, with the horizon. Yeah. And then later on, he adds this sort of front and back to it. Yeah. You know, so you've got the left and right intercut with the, uh, like, towards mm-hmm. the camera and away from the camera. Yeah. So um, he adds, like, a Z axis to everything yeah. instead of just an X and Y axis to it. And Mad Max does that in its action sequences. Oh, okay. Like, the first, because Mad Max is basically three car chases strung together and the first two are very uh sort of with the horizon oh and then the third one is with the horizon and then they add the z-axis to it okay and i noticed that a lot in um in the general where eventually like once it comes to the head he's got stuff going on in like towards the camera and away from the camera so yeah i uh I really like this movie, man. Like going yeah. back and re- I remember liking it when I saw it and then going back and revisiting it. Um, you know, I'm also older and smarter. Yeah. And I think that had something to do with it. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Um, it is a little weird having to root for the South. Yeah. That that, that was kind of a little bit weird. I was trying like to as I was watching it, I was just like can't figure out if like they were if this is, like, supposed to be kind of, like, we were for the Confederacy, or this is making fun of the Confederacy. I think it lands on it was rooting for it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, he's from your neck of the woods. He's from Kansas. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I actually don't know the role that Kansas played, if any, in the Kansas was a free state. Okay. Yeah. So. Got it. Um, My geography's bad. But Missouri was a slave slave state, so Mm. he might have favored that a little bit i don't know maybe (laughs) maybe yeah but i mean other than that that's just one of the like one of the 1929 things one of those things when it's like oh yeah that was the culture of the time oh yeah everyone used to be pretty racist you know and at no point is there any sort of a slave thing happening in the movie like there's just a couple weird moments where it's like "Mm, Mm, i don't know if i should feel that victory yeah it's like uh that's the south you know (laughs) This was a different time. <laughs> yeah. The the scene in particular that I had in mind was when he's got the two guys with the cannons, and there's the one, like, northern sniper guy that's oh, shooting yeah. his friends. Like, yeah. that scene's really funny, and then he, like, he flings his sword, and the blade comes off the sword and stabs that guy, yeah. and he's just like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I, I think other than that, you can... Yeah, it's not, it's not like an overt, like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's not too... Too crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 
Do you have anything else to say about the general? No, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a good time. Uh, I would say go see it. Like I said, it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. If so if you it. have that, uh, you can you can go watch it. I found myself when I was watching this, and I think like silent films in general, I just think it's really interesting. Kind of like they'll have certain instruments for like, you know, sometimes for certain characters. Or in this movie, there's a lot of instruments like mimicking the sound of like the train. Mm-hmm. So it's like they use a snare drum a lot. Like it'd be mm-hmm. like it's starting and then it's speeding up and it'd be like a faster drum roll I all that stuff was really cool like picking up on all that stuff and like the different like instruments they use for the train whistle and things like that that was really cool yeah yeah um yeah I mean that's the big thing with silent films is you focus on the music a lot more because you yeah. have to yeah um I think that you should watch at least one silent movie in your life yeah I would uh, agree just just I mean not even as like the the sort of cinematic bucket list but I think it just helps you kind of understand where we came from yeah and just appreciate film a lot more mm-hmm. I mean I I don't claim to be a film uh, aficionado of any degree but just even like going back and kind of seeing like our roots mm-hmm. it just gives me way more appreciation for things that have come after. Yeah, and it's just so crazy to see, like, the fingerprints of all this yeah, stuff on, yeah. like, man, there is nothing new under the sun. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, uh, go watch go watch The General. It's a good time. It is a good time. And we'll be back in two weeks with uh, some sort of element of film structure. We're, we're going to be talking about characters in films. Oh, okay. Different types of characters, and so it'll be fun. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Cool. Um, and, yeah, uh, we're going to take a short break, and we will be... Back after the break to talk about X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah! Yay! Maybe. (laughs) And we're back. Hope you enjoyed that segment. Um, And all three of us are here now to talk about our expectations for... X-Men Apocalypse, we've settled on what the name is now. But before we do that, I kind of want to talk about the X-Men franchise as a whole. These are movies that have been around since the year 2000? They've been around 16 years? Yeah. Yeah. They've been around 16 years now. They're arguably the start of all this superhero stuff we see now. Yeah. um, Because we got X-Men in 2000 and then Spider-Man in 2001, which really kind of solidified it. But X-Men was kind of the precursor to it. And so we've had 16 year or 16 years of these movies and there are like seven or eight movies in this series now. Um, what do you guys think about the X-Men franchise as a whole? I mean, you know, I'm we know that there's like the comic books and the animated series and and now the films. So what what specifically I guess with the films, what do you guys think about it? Go for it, Corey. Um I feel for me, I feel like they're kind of up and down. Um, they're very hit or miss in terms of quality. Um, I feel like the first two in the original X-Men trilogy are pretty good films. The third one is not, I wasn't critically received that well. Um, and then was it after that that we got X-Men Origins? <laughs> yeah, yeah we got X-Men Origins. Yeah. So it, it kept going downhill after that, um... Was there another one after that that was... Uh, no, I think it was just it was, was that into First Class. Okay. Yeah. Or did the Wolverine come before that? No. Okay. No. First Class, which I think is a pretty good X-Men movie. I saw that one, and I was kind of surprised because of where it was. I have not seen the Wolverine, which MJ tells me it's like three-fourths of a good it's movie. It's 80% great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 80%. I, yep. I agree. That last 20% is 
Real dark. <laughs> <laughs> the very end of the film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I haven't seen that one. And then um, Days of Future Past, I've not seen that one. But oh, what? It looked interesting to me. You and cannot so, watch this next movie without so seeing this that's one. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I probably... You I should probably see, see it, man. But I heard, I, it sounded like a clever idea of like how the storyline fit in to also kind of retcon some of the... You know, films that were mistakes in the X Men. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, you need to see the Wolverine before you see um, Days, Days of Future, Future Past, Past because of Wolverine's character in this next movie. So there still is continuity between those. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That actually, there's more of a hundred percent continuity between those compared to X Men Origins. Okay. Because yeah. I'm fairly familiar with like X Men as like comic book characters and like the different arcs. So like you know the Dark Phoenix Saga, sure. Age of um, now I want to say Ultron. No, it you know Apocalypse and different things like that. But I didn't know that they all kind of still had some sort of continuity. It was just kind of like, well, maybe we can use this storyline to reset a lot of the things we don't want and like recast new people and stuff like that. This is the this is going to be the first film that doesn't really connect Wolverine to a point. Like all of the movies had a. Uh, besides First Class, yeah, yeah okay. had a really connecting drive with Wolverine. But this one, even though he's in it, yeah. to me, it looks like he's not really a part of this at all. It's really more about um, this is how we're going to get to Cyclops mm-hmm. and yeah. um, the new Jean Grey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I think, I mean, I, we've already seen reviews from people across yes. the board. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and it's hard to have a movie like this come out after Civil War. Yeah. Which really was able to take a lot of characters and give everybody their just due, except for maybe. Uh, uh, Rhodey. Yeah. Even yeah. though he gets shot. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but um, like he, his character doesn't get really much justice. Yeah. Where I feel like in this film, there's so many characters. I don't think that um, Brian Singer knows exactly how to handle all those characters. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But what do you think about the the X Men franchise of films as a whole? Um, you know, everybody always talks about X Two is great, and I kept trying to remember why, why is X2 so great and I went back and watched it. I'm like okay X2 is really cool yeah. like Nightcrawler is awesome yeah, there's a lot of great things happening Nightcrawler is back in this one so I feel like Brian Singer is like I'm bringing him back here yeah. he comes yeah um X3 yeah totally sucked yeah, um, yeah it did although there's some things <laughs> in about it that I liked a lot and then um, then I, I was excited for Origins Mm-hmm. And I actually liked Origins when it came out. I thought this was pretty fun. And then I, wow. I didn't know much about Deadpool. <laughs> ah, okay. And then I watched, and then I read about Deadpool after that movie. I was like, oh, what's about Deadpool? Let me look, Google that. What? Yeah, the same <laughs> the character. Completely the same guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then that kind of ruined it a bit. I went back and watched it. It's like this is kind of dumb. But I, the saving note thread for the entire X Men Origins mm-hmm. movie is Sabretooth. I think yeah. they did a great job. Yeah, he's pretty sweet. He needed to be back for this movie, or at least come back uh, in the final uh, Wolverine film. Yeah. Um, Days of Future Past, great movie. First Class, great movie. Yeah. Um, this one should be great, but coming from the reviews, doesn't sound like it is. I think I think it's a decent. It sounds like it's going to be a decent film. Yeah. Just probably too much over art. Arcing, um, trying to get all these characters in at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I so my, I'm gonna have a very weird opinion about this franchise of movies that I'm sorry in advance. I don't like X Men Two. I think that movie's really boring, except for the Nightcrawler parts. The Nightcrawler parts are the best parts. Yeah, yep. they're sweet. Um, other than that, that movie is really slow, really long, and really boring to me. And you know what? Maybe I'll go. <laughs> I'll agree with you on this. That X Two 
is very similar to X1. Hmm. As in, like, what side are you on? Are we going to be with the government yeah. or not? And yeah. I feel like that's the same X-Men story in every film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That yeah. storyline, or Stryker. Stryker is involved yep. as well. Yeah. That's yeah. X2 as well. Yep. Stryker, yeah. yeah, truth. But I, I like X-Men 1 quite a bit. I think that's a really good movie. I haven't seen it in a while, so yeah. maybe it hasn't aged super well. <laughs> no, it doesn't um, age well. No. Yeah, I, it, it doesn't seem like it would, but weird, I have very fond memories of that Weird decision movie. to put them all in all black. Um, yeah, you know. the black leather. Yeah. Um, I have not seen this one since it was in theaters, but I liked X3. I didn't love it. I I didn't think it was horrendous, though. I I thought it was fine. I like Archangel. I I thought Archangel was great in 3. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I could definitely be wrong, but I remember enjoying that movie when I saw it. Uh, I don't remember anything about it except the Golden Gate Bridge at the end. (laughs) Um, But I do remember when I saw it, I liked it. Um, It was a Spider-Man 3 fiasco. It was. Was it that bad? And you killed Jean Grey. He killed Cyclops. It was one of those things where it's it's not a good movie and it offended the comic book fans. I know they're not the same medium, but just how they adapted the story, it was just kind of like... It is the same medium, though, because these are the people that decide whether this movie's good or not. Yeah, and it was just, it wasn't a good film, and then, like, they killed Jean Grey and Cyclops, and it was just like, they kind of wanted to, like, hey, you know what would be cool if we did the Dark Phoenix saga, but then they didn't really Do set it. it up correctly, and yeah. then it was just like, oh, hey, remember how that saga kind of ends? We're gonna kind of do our own spin on it, and... Okay, yeah, it... so, all that to be said, I have read maybe six X-Men comics in my lifetime. Did you watch the animated TV show? No. Okay. I think that's... So, I think that anybody, might have a lot to do with if it. If you're an X-Men, uh, you want to get into X-Men, you're listening to this now, and you're like, oh, well, I don't know where to start, yeah. comic book-wise... Just watch the 90s animated series. That was done so well. Yeah, it was. It explains everything you need to know about any of the X-Men sagas. All of them. Yeah. Um, In fact, the word on the street is that the um, hidden scene will um, get you to Mr. Sinister, which is a character in the 90s animated. Yeah. Yeah. um, Which is going to be amazing if they do that. But, um, yeah. Just watch the 90s. You can Netflix it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I think yeah. it is on Netflix. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't have like a big storied history with X Men. So to me, X Three was fine. Like I wasn't. I, I had heard a bunch of people saying like they were ruining it. And I was like, not for me. I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> um, and then later on down the road, I read like a few issues in Joss Whedon's run when he was writing it. But it was such a. It was like the omnibus that my friend would borrow, and so it was gigantic and intimidating, and so I didn't finish it. Yeah. So that's the only like reading X Men experience I have. Um, Origins is terrible. I hate I hate that movie so much. Um, I love X Men First Class. I think it's a great movie. Yeah. No matter how you slice it, um, I like the Wolverine eighty percent. Like you said, once, <laughs> once Silver Samurai shows up, it's really jarring and kind of dumb. Could have been so much better. Yeah, and it should have been. They just didn't do enough to sell because that movie was like super realistic and yeah. then at the end it was this really fantastical over-the-top villain in silver samurai and it was like well that kind of came out of nowhere i understand that they live in this world that has like cyclops and all yeah. these superpower characters but this movie didn't have any of those characters in it yeah so it was it was a mixed bag i really like james mangold the director of that movie he's doing the third wolverine movie and then Days of Future Past, I actually thought was kind of boring too. I didn't really like it that much. It seems like a really interesting premise. It looked like it was. It's a really good premise. It's actually done really well. The problems with Days of Future Past is that you have a amazing character, Quicksilver. Yeah. And you mm. use him once. Yeah. He's got um, one scene in the whole movie. Oh. And that's like the best scene. And then I feel like they're going to do the same thing again in mm-hmm. this next one. 
Um, I think Brian Singer has the Superman Returns problem. Like, he makes Superman Returns, which is very similar to all the other uh, yeah. Christopher Reeve movies. Yeah. I actually like that movie a lot, but it was slow. It was. They didn't have the, the cool um, fight scenes you're waiting like in Superman 2 had. Yeah. Um, but um, I think Brian Singer is trying to outdo himself. and I'm going to add all these other characters. And he keeps forgetting to add just calculated action scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it does have an action problem. And that was my big thing with X-Men 2 is, you know, I was a teenager when it came out, too. And so I wasn't particularly over-concerned with the plot. Mm-hmm. And that movie's very plot-heavy. And so the whole time I was like, when's this action when's this movie about superheroes gonna have the superheroes fight each other that's all I care about <laughs> um, it's like watch the TV show Heroes <laughs> yeah. yeah we don't have any superpower people fighting each other this yep. is called Heroes yeah yeah, yeah it's called a drama um, <laughs> so in Days of Future Past I don't like um but I think it was an interesting exercise in uh, watching a reboot happen in real time and by that I mean, they really reset the timeline in Days of Future Past, and you usually don't get to watch that happen. Yeah. They usually just say, hey, this next one, we're resetting the timeline, and then they do it. Yeah. And this one, they went out of their way to form a story around doing that. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting watching the building blocks of this universe that had been around for, what, 13 years at that point. But I want to say that's just that he just copied J.J. Abrams in Star Trek. Because yeah. J.J. does yeah. that in Star Trek, uh, the movie, and... He allows Spock to come around yeah. from yeah. that old universe. Like, we're going to redo it. It's like, Here hey, we alternate go. timeline, yeah. so we're safe. You know. Fair enough. Fair it's enough. It's the same but thing. Was, I feel like there was more of an emphasis on it in Days it of was, Future It Past. was, because so, they ruined X3. And yeah. Brian Singer wasn't a part of X3. Yeah, Brett Ratner did it, because yeah. Brian Singer went off to direct Superman Returns. It was very much a, like, we have to address this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so watching like them like pull apart the universe and then reconstruct it, kind of how they... Probably should have, to be honest, like <laughs> bringing Rogue back and bringing Beast back and, and all this stuff. And yeah, because they got most of the cast back, right? From mm-hmm. like the yeah. original. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that real quick. So they, they changed, um, they bring these characters back, like Beast and stuff. Here's a couple questions I just have, and maybe I'm forgetting about this in X Men. Mm-hmm. So Beast can walk around becoming human and not human. How? Yeah, okay. Right? Because yes. all I know is an X Men, period. He's beast and he's beast. Yeah. yeah. How does he become human beast? Does he change between? I, he I know there's he, the serum. The yeah, serum. there's a serum that he takes. In Days of Future Past? Yeah. Yeah, but at the end he's like, I don't care. I'm going to be beast now. But then he's not in the movie. In the third one, he's yeah. back to normal. Yeah, in this upcoming movie, he's still like running around as a guy. What? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I thought so, he was always Beast. No, because like when he turns into Beast in X Men, for or when he, yeah, after the events of First Class, yeah. he's like he ends as Beast, and then yes. he develops a serum that makes him not Beast in yeah. Days of Future Past, okay. and he starts giving it to Xavier as well, and it makes Xavier able to walk. Oh, and okay. but uh, Xavier becomes like an addict to it, so they have to go like break him of his addiction. So then again, case in point, we just rebooted the whole series, so anything right. that happened in X1, 2, and 3 doesn't exist anymore. Fair enough. And now, I guess, I guess now you can say, well, if Beast can be this and that, and that would have led me to my next question about um, what's the um, Jessica... What's Jennifer, her Lawrence? Jennifer Lawrence. Mystique. Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, Mystique. Mystique's character. Um, because Mystique's really bad, Yeah. but apparently in these movies she's good. I think that's going to be the arc yeah. of this movie, though. I <laughs> think this so? movie. I I hope so because they need to do that. Um, <laughs> Everything's I, been rebooted now, though. Oh, fair enough. I don't know. See, that's where the reboot thing gets really tricky. 
too, you because remember. it's like there's this there's this like continuity, but then also it's been rebooted in the middle of this continuity because you know first class takes place in the sixties. Right. Uh, this one or the Days of Future Past is the seventies, and this one's going to be in the eighties, and they've already announced that the next one's going to be in the nineties. So, which to me doesn't make any sense, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and to throw it all for loop for Corey, what you got to realize is that Wolverine <laughs> here has. He has no knowledge of the future. However, Wolverine of 2015 yeah. has knowledge of everything that has taken place in the whole world of X-Men. Yeah. And he's the only one. That's what's How crazy. does that work? You had to watch Days of Future Past. Because Days yeah. of Future Past revolves around... He's like the main character, right? Yes. They send him back in time. Yeah. Correct. But he's the only one in his brain is remembers all that stuff. But in... Uh, when he goes back to the future, yeah. more or less, yeah, yeah. Um, then I would assume that his brain, his knowledge, kind of subverts back to 1970s Wolverine. Wolverine. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, I'm wrong. I don't know. We'll find well, out in this next movie. Yeah, we'll find out because, like, it, if he remembers them when they show up, it yeah. seems when he has this cameo yeah. scene, it looks like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that's kind of the retrospective of just the <laughs> franchise. It is crazy. Yeah, convoluted. Yes. Um, which I, I, oh, and plus, you know, we got Deadpool this year, but that was more of a standalone. So, um, and that was fun. That was a good time. But yeah, yeah, so here we are on the precipice of X-Men Apocalypse. Um, what do you guys think about this movie? Or what are you excited for? What are you not so excited for? Um, Well, just those things. Yeah. I mean, happy to see Wolverine, uh, answer the time travel stuff for me. Uh, (laughs) I want, I want, uh, Mystique to be bad. Mm -hmm. I want her to become bad. Yeah. And I, I don't want any more... We haven't talked about this, but I don't want any more of uh, Jean Grey and Wolverine to be a thing. Oh, yeah. End it! <laughs> like, it's just supposed to be Jean Grey and Cyclops. Cyclops. Yeah. Never anywhere in the comics was there ever Wolverine involved in this. Only when the movie came, X-Men the movie, did they make this a love interest. Yeah. So, Brian Singer, stop it. <laughs> I'm kind of over-following these characters through the X-Men arcs. Like, there's so many other X-Men. Yes. And, like, we've only stuck mm-hmm. with this kind of core group this whole time. And I'm like, ah, it's been too many movies with them, you know? And you can... It, there's... It makes no sense to me because there's so many characters you can just cycle in and out. And so, like, every five, six years, you can have a brand new team of X-Men that has, like, two or three movies. And then you cycle them out. And yeah. it keeps it fresh. You get these new characters with new backstories, new beats. Um, there was a character in Days of Future Past... Um, I want to say her name was Smoke, maybe. Um, but she like threw these portals out. Oh yeah, she's great. She was awesome. <laughs> she was the coolest character in the whole movie. She didn't have a single line. No, um, portal. Yeah, <laughs> and she. I was like, what is that character story? She's so well, they, cool. They always had a side story with the uh, Iceman. Mm-hmm. Now, Iceman had this great lore because of the 1980s cartoon uh, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. I watched that. Right? Yeah. And that, like, so you get you get him. And you get worse Firestar. Yeah. Like, bring yeah. Firestar into this little game here. Uh, why not? This is a great team. Uh, ice and Fire. Yeah. Blink was her name, by the way. Blink. Not Smoke. Blink. Yeah, Blink. That's okay. That's One totally word. fine. I think a lot of these problems that we're talking about with characters and stuff kind of goes back to the genesis of, if you would want to call this the X-Men, X-Men cinematic kind of precursor to a sure. cinematic yeah. universe. And that is in the sense of, you know, Marvel sold these film rights to these studios and like you know we kind of got the the trilogies with like the sour note at the end of you know spider-man and x-men but then after that like marvel came in started doing their own films and they obviously understand their source material more but mj and i have talked about this that like 
Marvel, they they had to make their movies good. They had to make us care about these characters because they didn't have anything else to fall back on. Yeah. And Fox and Sony, they're just kind of like, oh, uh, Spider-Man 3 didn't work. Okay, we'll just reboot it. We'll be fine. We want to hold on to the film rights. And I feel like that has kind of plagued a lot of like Fox's movies with the X-Men. It's kind of like, we want to keep the film rights. We're in this huge, big boom of superhero movies. And they just, I don't know. They don't f- feel like they know how to develop What's characters. Me? They don't have a lot to lose. You know, it's like if Apocalypse flops, you know, they have some big other movie coming out not tied to X-Men like in a couple months or, you know, just like next week or whatever. Well, they're already planning on doing that. They have, well, there's like when you hear, you know, this movie's not great. When you're already hearing more about <laughs> the new mutants or the Deadpool 2 uh, Deadpool with Cable. Yeah. Care less about uh, X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah. Great. Yeah, but but we're going to do new mutants. Yeah. In fact, everything's going to be based off of the new Cyclops and Jubilee and, and Jean Grey. We're going to do Doctor dark phoenix saga yeah we're gonna do that correctly why did you do it correctly the first time through yeah that? yeah exactly yeah. because they didn't there weren't those types of stakes they were like we can mess up and i mean it's the same thing with the fantastic four movies and i won't but yeah it seems like every other studio when you get these major studios that really don't have anything to lose on these major comic properties <laughs> they just are like um i don't know they like those <laughs> batman movies that that one guy did that nolan did so Let's make it dark. Yeah, let's, let's cast like these really hot actors, Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan, and yeah. the girl from House of Cards. Okay, <laughs> it'll be good. <laughs> and, t- and Tintin. There's the thing about Marvel. Oh, Marvel pulled the Inhumans movie. Does that mean they're going to get X Men back? Well, no. These X Men movies make money. They make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, the Days of Future Past was one of the highest grossing movies of 2014. Um, so I, as long as they're making money, there's no reason for Fox to even enter into negotiations with Marvel unless Marvel's offering them an outrageous amount of money. I mean, Sony caved on Spider-Man to Yeah, to but the degree. Spider-Man movies weren't making that much money. And the reason why they, they caved in more so is because those email hacks from Sony were oh, leaked. Yeah. yeah. And their hands That's were true. wide open. So they're like, all right, everybody already knows about it, so let's do it. That's like yeah. why they're making uh, yeah. Men in Black Four with Twenty One Jump Street, yeah, because yeah, yeah, that yeah. was in one of those emails as well. So I'm like, all right, I gotta go yeah, for it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that, but yeah. So I, I, I'm excited for Oscar Isaac to be Apocalypse. I think he looks like maybe the best thing in this whole movie. Um, I feel like he's gonna be wasted. Not like him as an actor. He's really great, but just the story revolving this around. Fair enough, but I think as a performance, just whatever he has, even if it's a little bit of stuff, I think he's going to use it very well. I think he's a really solid actor. Well, I heard that Apocalypse is all about the four horsemen of the Apocalypse coming, and uh, Magneto and Xavier were supposed to both be part of the Apocalypse, Mm -hmm. the four horsemen. Mm Mm-hmm. That would have been a great story. Yeah. Because we built up these two characters already. Who are like the leaders of these kind yeah. of factions. Let's so, put him in that. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, so what Xavier. Ha- yeah, what happens when like the leaders are the horsemen and it's like, what do the rest of the X-Men do? Then the X-Men have to come out. And, and yeah. here comes the new Cyclops. You know, here the comes X-Men the, yeah, and, You yeah. guys, we should just go right for the X-Men movies. I think Man, we got something here. That's a storyline I want to watch. I mean, yeah. even... You know, apart from the comic books and the lore and stuff, that just sounds like a more interesting premise. It's like the movies have kind of established these two leaders and these kind of two factions, yeah. X-Men and the Brotherhood kind of. And it's like, what happens when you remove their leaders? And it's like, what do we do? do oh, we, yeah. Do we have to stand and fight together to save humanity? We're all going to die. Like, it just sounds more that's interesting. That's what happened in the comics. It's happened in that cartoon series. Yeah. It, yep. it happened, man. It's written for you. <laughs> 
<laughs> There's cartoons. It's already done. Aaron's talking to you. Listen. Yeah, it's uh, true, man. It yeah. is super true. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess you could, uh, we can kind of wind down. I think we got, uh, I think we're all a little. I don't even want to see this movie now. Yeah, I feel like we're a little. Ambivalent? uh, Frustratedly optimistic, if that's a thing. Like, I want it to be a good movie. I think it's going to be just an okay movie. And I think it's going to be not just okay, but really frustratingly okay. Because like you said, it's written for them. I think there are simple decisions they could have made that would have made this a really good movie. And it doesn't seem like they may have made that. I, I've read, yeah, I read it's a decent film. It's not yeah. bad, but it's not Civil War. Yeah. So it's all it's all new characters now, right? It's like yeah. Days of Future Past basically was like here's the passing of the torch, right? So all the characters will be like new to me. Well, no, it's like Cyclops and Storm. Well, and... well I mean like actors. Oh yeah, actors are okay. all brand yeah. new okay. now. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're totally fine with that. Actors are all. But new. the same like Cyclops, Jean Grey, Rogue. Yeah, and, Jubilee. That, and I read somewhere uh, this is the chance for Cyclops to become a leader again, but not this movie. I'm like, <laughs> but <laughs> well, why then, not? Well, then why? Why put him in there? You're not gonna make him a leader and make Mystique or Beast the leader, where none of them were ever leaders. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. It's just it's just be, you know why? It's because they have a star power of Jennifer Lawrence. So it's like, sure, she she's needs, hot. That's she fine. Needs, she needs yeah. to be front and center. Put her in the movie. <laughs> I'm okay with that. She doesn't. But the thing is, like, all these actors have now transcended. Like Jennifer Lawrence wins like an Oscar a year. It seems like Michael <laughs> Fassbender's always nominated. James McAvoy seems to be content making just super weird thrillers with Danny Boyle. All these people are super over being in this and I think it shows in their performances. Yeah. They all look really bored. Except Oscar Isaac. Because but he's, he's the new guy. Yeah, he's, he's the new, new guy. guy. So he's yeah. like, this and I'm in Star Wars so it's all good. Yeah. 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 And he's got all that Star Wars money to fall back on and he's going to be making those forever so he's yeah. fine. Um, you know, I think Ty Sheridan, who's playing the new Cyclops, I really like that kid. Yeah. Um, he was in the movie Mud. I don't know if you guys saw that movie with Matthew McConaughey. I did see it, yeah. Um, he was the main kid mm-hmm. in that, and he's a he's a good little actor, man. And Havoc is MacGyver now, so, I mean, anything goes. Oh. The new what? MacGyver is Havoc in X-Men. Oh, I didn't know they were doing a new MacGyver. Oh, yeah, well, I, I would encourage you not to watch the trailer. Oh. I'm hoping they put out a better one. Okay. Because uh, it seems pretty... I love MacGyver, um, but this this looked pretty forced. Um, huh. But we'll see. I'll watch it. Yeah, Friday, CBS, Eyewitness News. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think that'll do it for us here. Uh, Aaron, thank you for joining us. Yes. Um, you'll be back next week to talk about yep. what we thought about after. Yep. Um, while we have you here, uh, my mother is a giant fan. Can you give her a shout out? Hey, mom. Love you. <laughs> Paula. Her name's Paula. Paula. Okay. Okay. Paula, I don't know you. I love shouting out to my mom, Paula. <laughs> <laughs> but I love you too, Paula. Thanks for watching. Appreciate it. Yep. She's, oh man, she freaked out when she found out you were going to be here. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that the lady who's stalking outside? Uh, no. No. <laughs> that was a different lady. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, so until uh, next week, you can find us on YouTube, the yes. Before and After Show. We just have our uh, After the Nice Guys yes. review up. Um, MJ's going to do another review rant of something. Yeah, it will I, be. No. It's, it's, a, it's more of a think piece than, the, than me just going line by line down a, a really poorly written Civil War review like I did last time. Um, that was great. Yeah. Uh, you can email the show before and after show at gmail.com. You can find us on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes. Give us five stars there. It helps us get up in the ratings. Yes. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at MJSmith891. And follow me at CatInTheHat49. Aaron, what do you have to plug? At Aaron's Weather on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, Aaron Perlin. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, CBS Eyewitness News. Yeah, CBS Eyewitness News. Watch every morning, 4.30 to 9. And then uh, the radio show I do in the afternoon, Afternoon Joyride. Yeah. On 88.3 Life FM from 2 to 7. Cool. Um, and until next time, go watch maybe X-Men?
Makana-san. Makana-san. <laughs> <laughs>